I still remember the day that I became an unbeliever. It was during my first year at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. I had gone there to study science. Eventually, they actually gave me a degree in chemistry, maybe to get rid of me, I don't know. But I actually graduated. It's a joy of part marks. Uh, cell biology class, my, last, my, my first year, the very last class of the year, it's a crucial lecture because people go there to find out what's on the exam, what's on the final exam. So attendance is at an all-time high. So in cell biology class, in my lecture that year, the room was packed, um, and much to my lab partner's dismay, the prof said almost nothing about the final exam. Instead, he explained why it was rational to believe in God and how we should live out the implications of that reality. That was a fascinating. It was the, the best thing that happened to me that year, I think, or second best thing. Now, up to that point, I had hoped and assumed that there was a God. I kind of hoped so. I had grown up attending church and I was at university to study science, but no one had really given me a rational reason, reasonable evidence to believe that there was a God. Science was assumed to have all the answers to every question worth, worth asking, and believing in God was a rather quaint idea for people who really could not cut it in real life. I want to be clear about something. I cannot, nor can anyone else, Prove or disprove the existence of God to you in a scientific fashion. Science has its limitations. And unless we go into a laboratory and follow a, prescri a prescribed procedure, we cannot prove anything scientifically. But I do feel confident that with a little bit of science and a little bit of math today, I can show you that it's perfectly reasonable to believe in a creator. But before we go any further it might be helpful to start off to see what the Bible says on this topic. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. And what is their message? Well, Lord Kelvin got this. He was one of the early scientists that have influenced uh, Western civilization. He said, if you think deeply enough, you will be forced by science to believe in God. Why? Because the intelligent design of the universe reveals an intelligent creator. That's the message of Psalm 19. The Bible doesn't say, here are the proofs for God and lays them out. It just assumes that anybody with integrity and the ability to observe reality, would see the intelligent design of the universe reveals an intelligent creator. It's almost taken for granted. But not everyone feels the same way or thinks the same way, obviously. So why then would anyone deny the existence of God? Here's a quote from Romans 1. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. 
For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Let me read that last line again. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And as they began to think up foolish ideas of what God is like, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Let me go on to uh, a quote from Stephen Hawking. Uh, Stephen Hawking is a very prominent uh, physicist in Cambridge. You may have heard of him. One of his latest books is called The Grand Design. And this is a quote from his book. And in, I'm going to give you a quick version of his cosmology. Basically, to sum up his uh, point of view, his worldview, he's saying, because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Which sounds intriguing when you first read it got a nice ring to it. Because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. But as we go into this a little bit, we analyze this, we start coming up with some contradictions. I'm not as educated as Dr. As Dr. Hawking. I'm not going to pretend to compete with him in the field of theoretical physics at all. But in looking with this statement, I'm a little bit intrigued. I'm still not sure how you get something from nothing. How do you get something from nothing? Because there is a law of gravity. He's assuming that gravity exists, but he says at the end of the verse, at the end of the uh, sentence here, nothing, there's nothing, but there is gravity and a law of gravity, so there, that means there is something. It doesn't quite make sense. There's a serious contradiction there. I'm still not sure how you get something from nothing. Uh, where does gravity come from? He doesn't tell us. And how does a law create something? Because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Laws, um, physical laws describe um, motion and describe um, all kinds of interesting things, like the law of gravity. Wow. Works every time. It's amazing. The law of gravity is amazingly, whoops, consistent, isn't it? But can the law of gravity create something? Can the law of physics, can the physical laws create something? If I was going to build an automobile, first of all, I get, where's Peter? I get a good engineer or a good mechanic. I get Henry Ford, okay? I get a pile of stuff, and then I would use the physic physical laws of science to be together an automobile. But Stephen Hawking says all we need is the law of gravity to get something out of nothing and end up with the universe. See, it doesn't make sense. He knows a tremendous, maybe more about theoretical physics than anybody else in the world today, but not so much about philosophy. 
because you don't get something out of nothing. It just doesn't work. Henry Ford, plus stuff or matter, and the laws of physics, that will produce a car for you, but not just the physical laws on their own. In reading an analysis of uh, Stephen Hawking's statement uh, by John Lennox, who's a mathematician at Cambridge, he said, and I quote, nonsense is nonsense, even if it's taught by a world-famous scientist. A statement by a scientist is not necessarily a statement of science. So just because someone famous says that it's true doesn't necessarily mean that it is true, right? Creative action requires personal agency and intelligence. If you're going to create something, it requires an agent, someone who's intelligent and purposeful and a design. It doesn't just happen. I should tell you about stuff that goes on in our basement all the time. I live with creative people. Uh, our kids are all out of the house, but they used to create stuff. And now Luann creates stuff. And she comes up out of the basement with this amazing things that she creates. And I go, wow, I can't do that. But she starts out with stuff, with matter. And there's a creative design to it. And yes, she does follow the law of physics, whether she realizes it or not. And there's something beautiful that comes up out of the basement all the time. It doesn't just happen. And it doesn't create itself. It doesn't come out of nothing. So laws don't bring energy and matter into existence. They just describe what goes on. But let me go on and explain to you how I became a non-believer. My choice was between random chance and an intelligent creator. That was, those, those were my options. And back, going back to this biology lecture that I was sitting in, uh, the professor started talking about amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of life. They, they're the building blocks of, think of those little children's blocks that, that connect together into long polypeptide chains, okay? That's amino acids. And they go together to make stuff called, like proteins. We're going to talk about blood and gambling today, okay? So it's going to be kind of like an episode of Boardwalk Empire. be fun. Um, first of all, let's talk a little bit about, just keep your eye on that amino acid for a minute, and we're going to talk about gambling. When I flip a coin... actually got one. I had to borrow one today. Shows you how poor I am. Okay. Call it in, let's see. Uh, Rose. Call this in the air. Heads or tails? You're right! Way to go. All right. Now, someone tell me, what were the chances of that being heads or tails? 50-50. One out, I sound like you're at a hockey game. One out of two, all right? Okay. All right, so there was one option out of two. Now, if I flip that coin again, do you know what the chances of me getting heads twice? Two, two heads in a row. What are the chances? Yeah. Do you know how we get that? It's one half by one half, and that's 
One quarter, all right? Okay. My head's already spinning. I thought, this is the weekend. Don't talk to me about school. Okay, now this is a really, this is for the real keeners, all right? Some of you are already thinking about lunch. I want you to pay attention. Stay with me, okay? What are the chances, if I flip a coin three times in the row, what are the chances of me, of heads coming up every time? And how do we figure it out? One in eight. Can you tell me how you get that? Oh, Trevor, you're awesome. That's right. One half times one half times one half. And that is one over eight. Or I'll show you another. Sorry if you can't see this really well. Another way of saying it is one over two to the third power. That little number means we just say two, two times two times two, okay? So you see that it would be an amazing accomplishment to have heads come up 10 times in a row. I mean, the odds of that are really low, right? Okay, so we talked about gambling a little bit. Let's go back to blood, all right? Hemoglobin, hemoglobin, is this protein that's really important because it carries, helps circulate blood from our lungs to our body, and you've got to have good hemoglobin, okay? Hemoglobin is a protein that's got 146 of these amino acid building blocks together in it. Now, you can't get them out of order or else you're really messed up. In fact, there's a disease called sickle cell anemia that affects many people, especially uh, African-American descent, that's a real serious health problem because their hemoglobin is out of whack. Things aren't in the right order. So it's really important that we get these amino acids in the right order. Okay? You with me? Literally, life and death. Okay. Now, we looked at, these are the main amino acids we have. There's about, about 20. Let's say there's 20. Okay? So, I'm wondering, what are, the, what are the chances of, say, just use your imagination, and some amazing thing happens, and you've got a big bucket of amino acids. It doesn't matter how they get there. Stephen Hawking's not worried about it, because the universe just creates itself out of nothing. So go with it, man of great faith. You've got a big bucket of amino acids, all right? just rattling around there. And what are the chances of those amino acids combining to give you hemoglobin? Well, first of all, you start out with, do you remember that formula? Okay. So we start off with 20 amino acids. All right. And we, there's, we need 146 of them. So they've all got to combine in the right combination. So the possible combination is 20 to the 146. That means 20 times itself 146 times. Now, if you're thinking this is a really big number, you're right. It's two. Well, let's, if you repeated the word million 24 times, we're not going to do that this morning in the interest of time, that's how big this number would be. Okay? 
So I'm saying to you, I'm giving you this little math lesson to say the chances of just one protein in our body spontaneously forming out of who knows what and who knows wherever the stuff came from. I'm sorry, I'm such a skeptic. I don't have enough faith. That's my problem, I guess. I, you know, your pastor just doesn't have a faith. He, he's not, I'm not enough of a believer, at least in Stephen Hawking's idea that we just came out of nothing. How do we get hemoglobin out of nowhere? And even once we have everything we need, how do they combine in the proper order so that we don't die? Now that's just one protein, okay? That's 20 followed by 146 zeros. Very big number. I don't even know if there's a name for that number. So do you understand? Once I saw that, I thought, what are the chances of even one of those proteins forming? And there's billions and billions and billions of proteins in Rick, probably a lot more than some of you <laughs> because of my volume. But how did that just happen? How people say, oh yeah, over a long period of time. Yeah, well, sorry, it's just not going to happen. You don't think I'm stupid, do you? When you see the intelligent design behind something as simple as hemoglobin, it makes me believe that the design of the universe points to an intelligent designer. So that's why I became a tremendous skeptic about the theory that we're just here as a result of blind chance. I'm just sorry. I just, it insults my intelligence. It does. Now, some people want to persist in that. And that's their right because it's a free country. That's okay. But if that's the chance of just one protein forming, um, it just, and if you believe that, well, then maybe we could make a deal. Maybe you could buy all my lottery tickets for me, okay? Because obviously you've got some secret thing going on with the laws of mathematics that I don't have. We'll talk about that later. But I, I just couldn't believe we're the product of random chance. I don't have enough faith. And personally, I need something rational that I could believe in. Closing, Stephen Hawking makes this remark. Heaven is a fairy story for those who are afraid of the dark. And at, when asked to respond to the statement, John Lennox, so I, I really recommend his writings to you. Lennox said this, atheism is a fairy story for those afraid of the light. <laughs> I'll think about that. I'm not here to put down anyone because they believe the theory, but I am here to put down the theory because it just doesn't make sense. It's not rational. People think it's not rational to believe in a supernatural being. They don't understand the nature of reality. In fact, even the word supernatural doesn't adequately reflect reality. Because to God, if you believe in a supreme creator, someone here who intelligently designed the universe, 
and is still sustaining it. Not just someone who started, wound up the clock, and left, but someone who sustains the universe even now. You realize that there's no supernatural and natural. Everything is just God, right? But let me leave you with this. I do believe that atheism is a fairy story for those who are afraid of the light. Because if you deny God, if you deny the presence of God and think you're being intelligent, you're making a huge mistake. Basically, I believe that atheism is more a matter of the will than a matter of the intellect. It's not very convenient to have a supreme being around because by implication, he may have, he or she, <laughs> may have expectations of your behavior and how you run your life. The convenient thing about being an atheist is that you can be your own boss. Ultimately, though, in the end, I think that leads you to disaster. But there's free will in the universe, and we have our choices to make. If you want to talk more about this, I don't have time to unpack all of the things I've been studying about. And believe me, I really tried to pare things down for this message. But I just want to leave you with this one central thought. The intelligent design of the universe reveals an intelligent creator. That creator is passionate about his creation and wants a relationship with his creation. We'll talk more about that next week and, in fact, the rest of the month as we talk about intentional relationships.